Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Podcasting from a crazy, crazy world where the Washington Wizards, yes, the Washington Wizards have won 13 of their last 16 games. Ben, have, have, has the Washington, when was the last time the Washington football team won 13 out of 16 games? Well, I'm, have they gone 13 and three? Uh, yeah, they, they went, uh, fit four. Was it fourteen and two or fifteen and one in the year that they last won the Super Bowl? So that was ninety one. Um, yeah, they, they they were you know back in the day they were pretty good. But yes, it's been a minute. They've only won no more than ten games essentially in the last twenty something years uh, in, in a season. So yes, it's been a minute. I mean, it's. I know the schedule has been relatively weak. And, 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 you know, there are all the disclaimers and whatnot. I'm not arguing that they are secretly an 850 team or whatever the heck the corresponding winning percentage is, the 13 and three. I'm not. But you know what? You win 13 out of 16. I, I don't care if you are playing the Timberwolves every night. I don't care if you're playing the Rockets every night. You win 13 out of 16. Okay. You are, you're, you're playing some great ball. Uh, by the way, the reason I even asked if the football team has gone thirteen and three is because I root for a football team that's never gone thirteen and three. <laughs> the Jets, the Jets have never won more than twelve. Uh, and and on the Skype line, we now record every Tuesday, ten a.m. It's our standing appointment. Is Ben standing? Oh boy, that's all right. I've, I, I I consider what I call my podcast. I I'll, I will accept that. Um. Yes, pl- pleasure to be here. I'm 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 tired. The NFL draft uh, wore me down, but I got coffee and uh, all, the Russell Westbrook energy could power a city, let alone me on a podcast. So we're 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 good. So Ben, here's where we're getting at. You don't stop, and apparently Russell Westbrook hasn't either. Uh, so he went for 14 points. 21 boards and 24 assists in that game last night against the Pacers. Um, the Pacers, by the way, must just consider him a matchup nightmare nightmare because he had 35, 14 and 21 the last time he played them. And that team without Miles Turner is just not set up for the Wizards. It's just not the way the Wizards have good offensive nights is when they get to the rim relentlessly. They had 96 points in the paint in that game. Westbrook gets to the rim and gets to the line. Beal gets to the rim and gets to the line, and they're able to get out in transition. If they can do that, they can have a good offensive night, and the Pacers are not a good uh, transition defense team, and when they don't have Miles Turner, they don't protect the rim. It is not a good matchup 
for them at all when they play the Wizards, and the Wizards are now two and zero against them. They're a half a game back of the Pacers. They they are they are winning games left and right. They have a five game road trip coming up, which starts in Milwaukee on Wednesday. Ben, where I, we got to start with Westbrook because I I wrote a story on him this morning uh, or for this morning. I wrote it in the middle of the night after that after that incredible performance against Indiana. This isn't about the 18 triple doubles in 22 games that he's on. It's not about him being three triple doubles short of Oscar's record. This is about him impacting winning for about a month and a half at a level that he just wasn't to begin the season. And obviously it is showing up in the standings right now. And the Wizards just look like a different team because of it. Yeah, you, you know, it's funny, like, I, I don't know how it is for you, but, like, for me, like, anybody who's ever met me or listened to me talk or read anything probably can figure this out, but, like, I can get, like, way too in the weeds of, of sports, of life, and, and, like, you know, can't see the forest through the trees and all that kind of stuff, but I've always thought, like, if, if somebody ever said to me, why why are you, uh, what, why, you know, how did you ascend to the athletic, this is, I don't even know how I'm getting here, this is so stupid, anyway, uh, I would say, well, I guess I have to got pretty good instincts, and like the only time I really allow my instincts to just like take over is when I'm 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 sort of pulled back from a situation kind of like this where I am paying attention to the Wizards, but this is not my beat as we've discussed. And you know, like even this last weekend, I was busy with the NFL draft and not watching things consistently. But the one thing I said, like you know, forever ago, I mean, you the same was this team will rise or fall based on what we saw, based on well, what what's going to happen with Westbrook. I mean, they were horrendous. I mean, it, it basically like the Wizards. The Wizards are from the movie E.T. Like the Wizards are Elliot and E.T. and Russell Westbrook is E.T. How his health is will depend. Well, it's where this team will rise and fall. And they were a mess earlier in the year when he was a mess. And now that he's played at an All NBA level, now they're playing at a level where they have, you know, over this last, uh, you know, however many, whatever it is, sixteen game stretch, they have the second best winning percentage in the league. They're top ten in both offensive and defensive net rating. The defensive net rating part is obviously insane based on how we've seen this team play defense for the last couple of years. And it's not to say, of course, that Bradley Beal's not still playing at an all NBA level, which he has been, but it's just that you you needed more stuff. And now that you have, you know, with what Westbrook is doing is helping, you know, combined with, you know, like the Daniel Gafford coming up, like that's such an incredible, you know, pairing. Um, and, and everybody else is sort of feeding off this version of Westbrook. And it's, you know, when Westbrook is good throughout his career, I mean, it's a sight to behold. He is a force of nature. I, I tweeted out yesterday that, like, we can always debate who are the best players in the NBA. You know, is, you know, you know, is, is you know, who, you know, is Kareem ahead of Magic? Is, is Bird ahead of Oscar Robertson or whatever? But there's a different list of, like, the unique players of all time. The ones that you're just like, wow, I can't believe this thing exists. And Russell Westbrook is on that list where you just look like, this is like a one of one almost. And it is right now, the level he's playing at is pretty remarkable. And it's, it, 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 you know, it's gone on long enough now that we do, I think, have to someone ask the question of, okay, well, if they actually make the playoffs, I mean, I know we've discussed this to a degree, but sort of in a tongue-in-cheeky kind of way, but like, it's getting to the point where we're going to have to ask if they actually make the playoffs, like what happens if Westbrook is playing like this? I wouldn't want to play them. I think, uh, I think they're certainly... The favorites, and when I say the favorites, I mean, I guess there are two favorites because two of the four teams come out of the play-in, but I think they're certainly 
along with whoever ends up getting the seven, whether it's Miami or Boston, I think they're certainly one of the two favorites to get out of the play-in tournament. If they have to play Indiana, I think we've seen those two games against Indiana, they're going to be the favorite to win that game. If they have to play Charlotte in round two, I think they're going to be the favorite to win that game. Uh, So, I mean, whether it's on the road or not, and you know what? That might not even be what the matchups are. We've kind of been assuming the whole time, all right, you know, maybe the Wizards jump to nine and or and that's kind of their best case scenario in all likelihood. And and they play Indiana in the first round, they get a home game out of it. And that's that's kind of the best way. And and for those who don't know, because this is a new playoff format, the way the play in works is seven plays eight. The winner of that game gets the seven seed. Nine plays ten. Then the winner of that game plays the loser of seven versus eight. And the winner of the second game gets the eight seed. Um, the Wizards have a chance at getting up to eighth place. They have a chance at getting up to eight. They're only a game and a half back of Charlotte at the time we're recording this thing. There is there is a realistic chance they get there. They've got seven games to to jump them two in the loss column. And look, it's it's the sub five hundred Hornets. They could have a the wizard. It's not like the Wizards need to go six and one to end the year. They, in order to jump up there, they, the Hornets can, can 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 lose more than they win the rest of the year, and the Wizards could jump them. It's this is not at all an inconceivable thing with the way that they're playing them getting up to eighth place. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't want to play them if Russ is playing like this, like he has for the last month and a half, and Beal. Beal, in terms of the way we talk about him, is kind of a victim of his own consistency. And Westbrook can either be a victim of his own success, consistent of a victim of his own inconsistency, or a, uh, I guess, uh, a beneficiary of the inconsistency. Right now, we're talking about him. Well, this is the way he's playing. It's unbelievable. He ebbs and flows throughout a season. Just because he's playing this way right now doesn't necessarily mean he'll be playing at this level in two weeks come the play-in tournament. But man, I mean, this has been a while now. The returns, night to night, it's not always like it was against Indiana. He'll, he'll, you know, he was, he was really not good for the first 44 minutes of the Warriors game. But the last four, he just killed him. He won it for him in crunch time. He, he, his highs are, have been has been so high, and his lows this year were very low at the beginning of the year. And the fact that the highs have just been so much more common than the lows over the last month and a half is just, it changes your season when all of a sudden the guy who was maybe the most, detri- you know, who was on some nights the most detrimental guy on the court starts playing like an all-NBA player for a month and a half. Right, and that's the thing with a guy like him. Like, he's so ball-dominant, and, like, he is such a force of nature. I mean, you know, Bradley Beal, like, this is the the other thing. Like, it's so so interesting to see how it all unfolds now, right? Because for the last two years, you can be the best player on a a team and yet not necessarily be the guy who should be the ball-dominant player, if that makes sense. Like, Bradley Beal, to me, has been – quasi miscast the last two years as the guy who's like has the ball in his hands at the la- at the end of games or possessions which is isn't to say that he is the that they shouldn't have the ball it's just that like so much of what his game like i think his shooting percentages have gone down in part because you know he's 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 not being set up in the way that i think 
we all pictured him to be originally. It's it's quite a, it's a whole other podcast. It's the, the the Bradley Beal transformation from what we thought he was to what he's turned into is really actually pretty unique, I think. But in any event, but now having Westbrook having this, you know, who who is perfectly cast to be this guy because he wants to be it. I mean, we, there's a separate discussion about will will Russell Westbrook stay sort of in this form. If, if they get to the playoffs, or will he revert to some of the bad habits which have hurt some of his teams in the past? But that aside, um, yeah, it looks like, to me like Bradley Beal just looks so comfortable now. Uh, he's not having to force things as much. He has somebody else he can lean on. His, you know, it, it's been said to me this year, "Wow, Beal's playing defense this year," and I'm like, "Yeah, no joke. He doesn't. He actually can. He actually has somebody that can help shoulder the load on offense. He doesn't have to do everything like he did a year a year ago on a team that was you know playing no defense." Um, you know, it isn't just Westbrook that has them playing at a, at a, at a rate of a top 10 defense right now. But at the same time, you know, it, it's very different having Russell Westbrook at that guard spot than, you know, what they had um, a year ago. So um, it, 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 it really does cascade down. And then you look, I think also in sports, I always say teams take on the personality of the dominant figure. Now, I think that it's interesting to debate whether that is Bradley Beal or Russell Westbrook at this moment in time. Um, but either way, both of those guys play hard. Westbrook plays hard, of course, at a level that's like, you know, maniacal, <laughs> but, but like, if you're out there on that court, are you really looking Russell Westbrook in the eye and not giving him your full faith and, and credit out there on the court? I don't think so. I think you're going to really try. And and I think right now, the other thing that's interesting is the guys they have out on the court are like, there's the, the personalities of this team right now are working that three headed center situation. You know, all, all those guys are, uh, you know, playing, you know, the, especially Landon and, and Gafford have all been, you know, have been even just this year have been either on the outs or, you know, sort of cast aside. And like, they're like, they're, they're playing like, like people who understand that they need to still prove themselves. And Robert Lopez has just been a, you know, a, 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 a grinder, his whole, his whole career. Um, and, and Hachimura has stepped up and so on. So it's really, you know, it, it's blending nicely right now. It's going to be interesting to see where this, where this goes, but yeah, Westbrook is uh is uh, it, it, it's it's quite remarkable to see where he's at and to see the attention he gets around the league. I mean, you obviously saw it already from Oklahoma City, and we know it from afar. But to be here and now see it coming to this team with, with him and, and Beal is it's really interesting. Yes, it is. It is quite interesting. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. But by the way, by the way, can we just say we've like buried the lead here? I know, I know, I know. I get it. The Wizards are thirteen and three. They're really good. All that stuff. Could could somebody check to see my prediction? Oh my Can god! Because oh. I think because <laughs> I'm pretty sure somebody's got to double check me on this. I think I'm. You I'm haven't lost. Yet. This is why we did it on the podcast, man. 
This is why we did it. This is why I called you Nostradamus. This is, we did bury the lead. You're right. It's, I have to say, it's, this is pretty amazing. This is the second time in a row. You're, you're, you're the guy who gets articles yeah, we, written about you because your mock drafts are so accurate in, in football. I'm, I'm telling you, there's, there's, you're kind of creeping me out. <laughs> I'm kind of creeping myself out. Like we, we need to, uh, like I, somebody could, I mean, I, I wrote it down the other day. So we, we, we started this on the, the game, whatever the podcast was before the golden state game. And then we, we only did a handful of games and then we resurfaced it. Yeah. Was it was it last week. week? It was last I, week. I think maybe had to be. Yeah. Yeah, so I I wrote it all down, but my chicken scratch, I'm even I'm not sure, and I don't have it in front of me, but I'm pretty sure I had a win last night with the, over the Pacers, so uh, that would be eight eight games, eight correct outcomes. I didn't say they would win each game, but just the outcome accurate. accurate. So yeah, somebody could if somebody could double check that, and then maybe we need to tell Scott Allen with the post so he can uh, r- write about this craziness and write about your podcast. Yeah, so maybe we have to uh, to work on that. <laughs> exactly, we're gonna get a Wizards After Dark plug in the Washington Post. That's that's the only reason we're doing this. It's our number. It's the number one oh, yeah. goal. That 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 is <laughs> that is amazing. That's why we did it on the pod, man. That's why we did it. Absolutely, absolutely. Now I believe I, I, the, the Bucks are up next. I'm gonna. I don't have it from assuming I called this. One you a did. Loss, but we'll, you did uh, call you know, it a loss. You did call it a loss. So yeah. So um, look at this point what, 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 with Russell Westbrook playing the way he's did. I don't know. But Russ may take me. So down you know something me. that I'm really wondering about, and I've kind of been waiting to happen. And it hasn't happened. I've been waiting because there are seven games left in the regular season. That's it. There's seven games, right? There are seven games. I'm doing the math right, right? A couple of weeks ago, I kept saying there were 24 games and there were actually 22 games. So I'm doing the math, right? Right? 65, 72, minus 65. Okay. There are seven games left in the regular season. And... See, this is where I'm at. I'm just I'm doing addition and subtraction on the on the podcast. I thought by this point the rotation would be, and maybe maybe this was just kind of my my naivete. I thought I thought the rotation, specifically in relation to the centers, would be a little more ironed out because I figure in a play maybe they'll do it in a play in game, but in a playoff series. Eventually, one of these centers is just going to be in matter of trouble. Most realistically, Robin Lopez, because they'll find a way to put him into space, and it'll be a matchup problem, and you'll have to go with a normal two-center rotation in the playoff series. And I just figured they would gear themselves up leading into the playoffs, especially because while Len has had some really good games— and Lopez has had some really good games. To me, you know, we talk so much about reaching your ceiling. Well, in order to reach your ceiling, Beal needs to reach his ceiling, and Westbrook needs to reach his ceiling. And those are the most the two most important players because they're the two best players. And that's obvious. Uh, but if you're going to reach the peak of your potential, to me, it's with Daniel Gafford. Because Daniel Gafford has a level those other guys can can't climb to at a consistent basis. They're five points per 100 better when Gafford is on the floor, according to Cleaning the Glass. Matches up with the eye test. He's got good chemistry with Westbrook, obviously. He's got pretty good chemistry with Beal. He's throwing down lobs. He's making energy plays. He, he, he still chases blocks too much, and it's a problem. But 
his impact defensively is obvious when he just scares the hell out of somebody at the rim or actually ends up blocking one of those shots or on the verticality plays at the rim when he actually goes for verticality instead of blocking a shot. And it's quite good. And his potential is 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 obvious to anybody who's watched him. He's been really good since coming to the Wizards. And I, I've assumed that he is going to play 20-plus minutes in a playoff series. And there have been games where he comes out and he plays 20, 25 minutes. And then last night, it's just it's five minutes in the first half, and he plays 15. And you see after the game, it's like, oh, Daniel Gafford had 15 points on 7 of 7 shooting. It's like he only played 15 minutes. And I'm waiting for them to iron out the rotation, not even necessarily to get away from the three centers, because I get it. It's fun, and it's effective, and it's working, and... You know, why Why mess with that? I really do understand, even though it's wildly unconventional. Like, it, I don't, I have no problem with it. It's, it's, it's working, but I'm, I don't know. I'm surprised that Gafford is still only in that 15 minute range. The Wizards have a lot of guys where they, they like playing them six minute stretches and not more. Gafford is that guy. Neto. They've kind of said I, I th- that's a guy who they, they think is a lot better when he doesn't have to play more than six consecutive minutes. Uh, they they like doing that, and they obviously like doing that with their centers. But you can play Gafford in six-minute stretches and, and still get him more than 15 minutes, and I, I'm still kind of waiting for that to happen. And I still assume that it will, but I, I thought it would have happened by now. I thought the minutes would have been up by now, you know? So, so right. So this is, you know, and, and you're right. We'll see. We'll see what happens. And, uh, you know, it's – it's not always wise to go back and look to see if the pass is prologue, but I, I will just mention this. You know, in, in Scott Brooks' just general history, at least with the Wizards, you know, he has often sided with the veterans over the young uh, younger players. And I go back to that, you know, playoff series against the Celtics in 2017. And in the last, like, you know, for argument's sake here, let's put Kelly Oubre in the role of Gafford. And we'll put Mihimi in the role of like Robin Lopez. And you're like, well, Ben, that's insane. They're not, that's not the same position. But the last couple games of that series, Kelly Oubre, who effectively had been like, I don't know, high in the, relatively high in the rotation off the bench, seventh, eighth guy, whatever, but basically got thrown out of the rotation the last two games. And look, there was reason to Kelly Oubre, as we all kind of remember, was kind of all over the place. Wasn't nearly as efficient as Gafford, same kind of energy, but like just, you know, different type of player. But the point was that, that he went with Mahimi, and, and we go back to that game seven against Kelly Olenek, where Kelly Olenek goes crazy. Olenek goes up going outside and just shredding the Wizards' uh, bigs. Whether and some of it was Gortat, but a lot of it was also Mahimi. And it, and and I do kind of wonder in this case, will he ultimately lean into the Gafford guy, or will he go to stay with the, the probably what's going to be more comfortable for him in the Robin Lopez type? I I, I talk about this a lot. On, on, on the NFL side with quarterbacks, um, the, the, just to localize it, like Jay Gruden, when he was here for years, he always wanted to put Colt McCoy in the lineup. And we're always like, why are you trying to put Colt McCoy in this lineup? This guy is just a journeyman, back backup type guy. Why do you want him to start? And the answer is because Jay Gruden thinks he knows what he wants, and this guy is the vessel in which his his thoughts will, will, will go into and will be executed without much question. And I think that's how a lot of coaches view these circumstances. And that's why they sometimes sit the more upside player like you're talking about. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen here because Gafford is playing at such an efficient level and he does bring such a different energy. It seems pretty impossible to ignore. And yet, as you're saying, for the moment, at least, 
this three-headed center sin keeps going forward. So I just think that, that that's like the one thing I do wonder about because I'm right with you. The, the, uh, if you really go shoot for the moon, Gafford's the one that's got to get the minutes over the other two, regardless of how the other two shake out um, because of what he can do and the potential there. But, you know, uh, uh, until it happens, I guess, we'll have to see. Yeah. What, what, what do you think is – I mean, obviously what, the way Westbrook is playing is the most interesting thing right now. The, the uptick in the defense we've – We've talked about and beaten down, and you know they it's, look. They didn't play well defensively against Indiana. They played an incredible offensive game, and Indiana was just oh my god! Like that is one of the worst defensive performances I've seen in a I don't know since when, but in a while it is one of the worst defensive performances I've seen in a long time. The Wizards scored 154 points, and they only hit nine threes. Normally, when a team scores 154 points, which isn't often, it's because they just went off from three, right? And Indiana was just was just rolling out the red carpet for them. It was Russ was remarkable, but that there was no resistance in that game. I mean, Indiana just looked they looked awful defensively. It, it looked like. It looked like a team that dropped, that won a game by 57 against the Thunder a few days ago and then decided, you know what? We will hand you your statistical regression on a platter. That is what we will do right now and make up for all of this in one game. Just get it out of the way. Um, But I want to know from you. Talked about the defense. Talked about Russ. Talked about Gafford. What do you think is the most... Other than those things, the most interesting thing about the Wizards right now on this streak? Um, I don't know if I have anything tactically. I guess I would just say, you know, even in the losses, they have been right there, right? They lose to Dallas essentially on a, on a, on a shot with a couple seconds left. Um, the Spurs game goes to overtime. The, the level of consistency to me stands out because even if we're good NBA teams, right? I mean, teams ebb and flow that that happens. That's part of basketball on some level, but that what separates, you know, I remember back in the day when I would be a, a, would drop a wager or two, this is way back in the day, you know, teams that were always fun to bet on were the Utah jazz with Carl Malone and John Stockton and the Spurs throughout the whole Duncan era, not because they covered every time, but because you knew you were going to get a consistent good faith effort every time. And that's not something you can count on even for again, the best NBA teams. And the Wizards are giving that right now. It isn't just they had a good game against a really good team and then they come out the next game and like kind of look whatever. Even Like I said, even in their losses, they're playing really well. And that's one of the things I always go back to with Beal just to, you know, give him some, put him back up on here. And, and I've gotten pushback from people over the year, over the last year or two who just simply obviously, you know, don't know what they're talking about. Uh, I'm sort of kidding, but not really. Uh, is that Beal, Beal plays at a very high level at all times. Yes, there are games where, the, especially the you know previous year, his, his defense, whatever. But like, it wasn't like he wasn't trying. I think it was a calculated choice on some level to do these things. He always comes out and plays at a pretty good level. And I think that's why last year, modest, but they overachieved relative to what the expectations were, and why this year, you know, we keep talking about Westbrook, but like, you know, he, you can't just have Westbrook and then nothing. There was a foundation already there w- with Beal, and now they've added to it. And I just think. You know, again, I said this before, teams take on the personality of the dominant figure, and these two guys, energy-wise, at a minimum, play it at a pretty good, consistent level, and I think that's what we're seeing now. And if you can do that, look, you know, 
let the other team botch it. You don't always have to win the games. You can let the other team lose the games. And sometimes that can be because they come out slow. They have a, they, 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 you know, they, they're a disaster at some point in the game or they just don't play well. But if you play at a pretty good level and, you know, it's a, it's a night where your shots are falling like they were last night, then why not you? And, and I think that to me is like the biggest, almost maybe even the biggest hope going forward is that if they keep playing at this steady competitive level, you know, it'll be interesting. Yeah. I mean, just to, to your point over this 16 game stretch, one loss was the one point loss on a buzzer beater in Dallas, a good team. Another loss was a three point loss to San Antonio that was in overtime. San Antonio, good team, solid team, reliable team. They're fine. It's not a certainly not a bad loss, even though it was at home. Uh, and by the way, second night of a back to back. And the other loss, they was the only loss in this entire time where they lost by more than one possession, where they got killed by Phoenix. But Phoenix has the second best record in the NBA, and it was the second night of a back to back, and it was on the road in the middle of a West Coast road trip. They're playing at a very consistent level, and they've won a lot of close games where they pulled away and looked good at the end of games, looked like they've had energy at the end of games, which was uh, you know, not something they did well at the beginning of the year. I think they lost seven of their first eight games that went into clutch time, with clutch time is uh, when a game is within five minutes with five or fewer minutes to go. So they they just they look like a different team. I'm, I'm not going to say they they look like a team who... Amongst the bottom of the standings, I I just feel like this is a year where, considering the weirdness and the quirkiness of it, and the oddities in the schedule, and 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 all of the COVID protocols and everything along those lines, that I just would want to play the hot team over the over the consistent team less in the playoffs than I would or more less more what am I saying I would rather be the hot team going into the playoffs than the team that maybe won a few more games during the regular season but isn't playing so great like say Boston normally I'll look at the larger sample and be like that team was a better team throughout the year they're probably a better playoff team but but the way that this is like I don't know maybe in another world the Wizards are you know Westbrook doesn't get hurt and and the Wizards are are a good, reliable, over five hundred team for this year. You know, uh, maybe maybe that happens in another simulation of the universe. So, I just I don't think anybody wants to play them. I've talked to a couple people around the league. They're like, I, I wouldn't. I mean, they agree. They wouldn't want to play them in the first round. I'm not saying that they would beat Philly or that they would beat Brooklyn. Even if Brooklyn had an injury to one of their main guys, I'm still not saying that they would beat either of those teams. But I just I just don't think it would be enjoyable to play a backcourt that can average 50-some-odd points against you. And, uh, you know, with the way Westbrook is playing, a, a, a team that's just going to play hard against you and just annoy the hell out of you. I just I don't think that sounds like an easy enjoyable, just blow them out and move on to the second round, first round series for a one or two seed. I just don't, you know? Right. No. And, and, and just to, 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 to tack onto that before we get out of here, uh, the, um, you know, like last year, right. They had some wins against teams that they shouldn't have beaten. And then, you know, when they would string some of those together in the same general week or two, people would ask the question, are they actually good? But that was, you know, 
there was no real reason to suggest that that was sustainable and obviously it largely proved to not be the difference this time is we like if you told me the wizards were hot right now because ish smith was averaging 18 and 12 i'd be like well okay that's fine but that's not sustainable based on anything we've ever seen and that's what makes the gafford situation interesting right is this sustainable we don't quite know yet because he's still young in his career the westbrook situation though is sustainable his issues in the playoffs we'll discuss as we get closer but like those things are cons- could 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 screw things up in a playoff series but in terms of like him playing at this level he was a freaking MVP. He's been a consistent, he's been in the MVP discussion beyond even that. He's been an all-NBA player. So that he's now gotten back to that level. He just wasn't at it earlier. Thus, this feels much more sustainable, especially since, again, Bradley Beal has, you know, he's clearly one of the better players in the NBA and so on. So that's what makes this more interesting than just, like you said, the, the larger sample size. I mean, the, the Wizards are still the 10 seed, despite all this stuff. It shows how bad they were before. Right. Despite all this, there's or the sorry, the, yeah, right. There's still ten seed, right? Um, and so that just shows how how bad things were. But at the same point, there's reason to think that this sample size, again, not saying they beat Philly or Milwaukee or anything like that, but this sample size is more interesting. Going, you can project it out, I think, a bit more because of the fact that Westbrook is playing at a level we've actually seen him play at before. Yep, and this podcast is a great example of what I said before, that Beal in the narrative is a victim of his own consistency because we just spent a whole podcast talking about Russell Westbrook and not really talking about Beal, who didn't play well in the Dallas game, but otherwise has has gotten back to looking healthy and, and looking like Bradley Beal. Uh, and we spent a whole podcast talking about Russell Westbrook. That's just more interesting right now. It is more interesting right now. Uh, I'm going to podcast later in the week. I'm going to have another guest. If you enjoy the podcast, tell your friends about Wizards After Dark. Leave us a review on iTunes. Subscribe to The Athletic if you want. You can get my work, Ben's work, everybody's work at The Athletic, not just NBA stuff, but every single sport you want. If you go to theathletic.com slash wizardsafterdark and you can sign up there for $3.99 a month. Again, that's $3.99 a month for a full subscription to everything you want on The Athletic, including this podcast ad-free at theathletic.com slash wizards after dark. I will be back with another podcast later this week. I'll talk to you guys then. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.